Hi and welcome everyone to the 115th episode of Serum Rocks. Today we have Phil Topness from Microsoft to talk about PowerCat. But first, hello Heidi, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm wonderful, thank you. We've had some exciting stuff happen on the work front. We just released a brand new Power Automate plugin for WordPress is, I'm sorry, for WordPress's WooCommerce solution, which is really exciting. So that's my Power Automate nerd news for the week. And on the personal side, I got to officiate a wedding for one of my friends in the CRM world, which was amazing. We used to be coworkers, I'm friends with his wife, and I got to marry them this weekend, which was super cool. Am I allowed to ask questions before I'm introduced? Yeah. Sure. Go ahead, Phil. Okay. Maybe I'm, I think I feel like a broken protocol. How do you get to officiate a wedding? How does? <laughs> oh, it's a really complicated process here in the United States. It's extremely difficult. You go to a website, you fill out a form with about five fields, and then you hit submit, and you're instantly ordained. Really? Yes. Does it come with other yes. powers and privileges? I need to check that out immediately. But if anybody needs to get married, I have a 100% success rate so far. <laughs> awesome to, to know about. So, yeah, if someone has questions for us, Heidi, where can they go? They can check out our LinkedIn group. So they could just look for CRM Rocks over there. Go to our YouTube channel. We have 15 awesome subscribers in our brand new channel. So check out YouTube. You can go on Twitter and hashtag CRM rocks, or you can check out our Facebook page. Nice. So let's officially welcome Phil Topness then. Phil is irrationally excited about applying technology to help people better do what they need to do. He helps the world's largest organization maximize the results from Microsoft Power Platform as part of the Power Platform Customer Advisory Team, CAT at Microsoft. Welcome, Phil Topness. Thank you, guys. It's great to be here. 115 episodes? What? That's like, did you guys start in the 70s? How many times have you been doing this? And it's just once a month, so it's been going for a while. So it's almost yeah. nine years now. I've only yeah. been here for a handful. This is Marcus's baby. They, they, need, they need someone to ordain it, and here you come. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's it's a lot more fun now that we're always free in the call. So it's it's a lot of improvement since yeah, I sure. got here. That's for sure. So Phil, yes, working at the Microsoft PowerCat. What is it that you do? Uh, yeah, what we do at PowerCat is actually it's one of the best jobs I've had. Uh, so we are in the Power Platform Engineering team. We work with the top like one to two percent of customers around the world that are deploying Power Platform. So these are like large enterprises doing like one customer is doing, you know, a uh, a deployment to retail stores to you know well over a hundred thousand people, right? Stores that you would recognize. Another one deploying to every every uh, all of sixty thousand people in an organization that are using Power Platform really at an enterprise scale, and so we get to work with them and help them succeed, help them get closer to the roadmap, make sure the product learns from them, and then take everything we learn and tell the world through docs and blogs and videos and that sort of thing. So Paracat rolls up to the engineering group? We are, yeah. We're in part of the engineering team, which is actually a, a, a really great benefit, right? Because we don't, we, we don't have quotas on sales or anything like that, right? We are there strictly to help the customers succeed anyway, which sounds like a sales pitch, I realize. But really, we, <laughs> we can come in as you know, completely honest, like tell us your problem, 
And then we could go to the people that actually write the code and help understand what's coming in the platform or help help to shape it. That's a huge benefit, actually, being so close to that. I didn't yeah. realize you were part of the engineering team. That's neat. There are, there are settings in Canvas apps that came out of my customers' projects, right? It's really cool. Cool. <laughs> You counted like the feedback channel to, to back to the engineering team. Is that like how it's considered then? Or I mean, we are one of many feedback sources for the engineering team. Uh, we, you know, we are with some of the largest customers for sure, and some of the most complex deployments. Um, but yeah, we're kind of the customer-facing arm of the engineering team, right? You can imagine like any major customer is going to get the attention of the engineering team, and so this team kind of formed only a few years ago out of that sort of need and is really kind of focused on that, right? Because as an engineering PM, you can, you know, if you own a feature, it's hard yeah. to be focused on customers and split your time on that. So we allowed, mm -hmm. we're kind of be in that middle ground. Now I understand how you hooked me up with the engineering team when I had a problem and I was posting on LinkedIn about it with Power Automate. So yeah, absolutely. For right. Or Power I had talked with that particular <laughs> PM. She's terrific. Uh, and I knew, I knew she would care deeply if you were having a problem. In fact, I just spoke with her yesterday. And I, I can tell already that this is going to be a fun episode because we're not even halfway through the intro yet. So, but this I, is awesome. I was very intimidating at how long these are. And I'm like, I don't know how I could possibly have that much to say. Trying it out. We're customers all the time. What's your last memorable customer experience as a customer? As a customer, you know, I was... I think that a lot of times we tend to remember the bad experiences, right? I mean, I think if you go to Yelp, right, I think that probably demonstrates that. <laughs> um, I think a lot of the most beneficial experiences I've had a, as a customer is being like, I've been a Microsoft partner, I've been a customer of Microsoft, and being on the other side of these projects, the projects that like PowerCat helps you an idea of you know, how much people have on the line when they're doing these. But these are not just projects, it's their career growth, right? And, you know, their boss's career growth. And so there's a lot of pressure. And so, I mean, I can't think of any one particular situation, um, uh, but I, I, it does help to really be on the other side of a customer. These, there's so much more behind a customer request or a customer complaint than just, I, I feel like that answer didn't What is it Marcus. that? Right, Marcus doesn't look happy with that. He's like, tell me another customer experience. For those of you that are listening on the podcast, he just held up a four and the numbers go up to 10. So talking about PowerCat then, what is it that you and your team do? Yeah, so in PowerCat, uh, the uh, the PowerCat team is split up among all of the Power Platform technology, the exception of Power BI, the CAT customer advisory team for Power BI. And so we focus on Power Virtual Agents, uh, RPA, and then uh, also customer stories. And so pretty much anyone that you've seen standing next to Satya Nadella talking about Power Platform has been somehow involved with PowerCat. Uh, and we also have a team that focuses on uh, some of the tools and the use of them, like the Center of Excellence Starter Kit, the ALM Accelerator, the Code Review Tool. All those are born and, and maintained in PowerCat. And then the last teams I didn't mention are the ones that do Power Automate and Cloud Flows. That's the team I'm in. We've got, uh, that's actually the largest section of PowerCat. And the team I'm responsible for owns the Europe, Middle East, and Africa section of that. So would you say Power Automate's your favorite part of the Power Platform then? You know what? How do you how do you choose a favorite child, right, Heidi? Yeah, yeah. Your love grows; it doesn't divide. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right. So, uh, I mean, I know you are deep in connectors, right, and making sure that you know we have millions and millions of connectors. Um, but uh, you know, I've also seen some pretty great apps. I know. I know. Well, I might talk a good game with Power Automate, but my heart lies with Power Apps. See, see. <laughs> I don't know. 
Marcus, how at least you? I'm honest about it. <laughs> Are you saying I was? Wait, wait, wait. Heidi just implied I was dishonest. <laughs> I, I may not be fast, Heidi, but I mean, I'm, I'm just commenting that you gave a non-answer. I did give it. Well, you know what? So, so I, I, part of my job at PowerCat is I've got the PowerCat Live, our YouTube channel, and so naturally I built a power app to maintain it. But the thing's got like 20 flows, right? And so, how do you? You know, how do you separate one from uh, one from the other? Okay, let me ask it. Let me ask a related question a different way. Yeah, you, For the yeah. customers that you work with, what part of the power platform provides them with the coolest implementation or the coolest solution? Yeah, good question. For the customers I work with, uh, it's usually power apps, it's usually uh, custom pages or canvas apps. All right, because these are the customers that I primarily work with. The largest ones, they were going to build an Angular, right? They're going to build a custom app in Angular, and they're like, "No, let's go low code." So they yeah. are, uh, so they're heavy into building large scale Canvas apps. Oh, and uh, judges in <laughs> Heidi just held up a ten. <laughs> I wasn't expecting the judges componing. So she's nicer than me, and uh, that I am then. So I gave a four, and you're uh, <laughs> again, man. Oh. I was not expecting the award, but I, I like I like the competitive nature of this. Sorry, go ahead. So who's the customering? customer advisory team yeah it is uh it's really customers around the world right so if if you look at all of the customers of power platform right of which there are many it's the top one to two percent all right so these are large global enterprises almost all brands that you've heard of uh and you know like that have hundred hundred or hundreds of thousands of users right so like the examples i was giving earlier right a customer that's going to deploy an app to thousands of retail locations you know to I don't know, 140,000 users, right? Or a financial organization that's deploying it to all of 65,000 users, right? These are the types mm -hmm. of scale customers we work with and with complex cloud integrations and things like that, things that are pushing the platform. So I've heard about managed partners, but is this like considered managed customers then? Is yeah. that kind of the same thinking? We call these managed customers. We call this our adoption accelerator uh, program. And so, you know, our engagements, there are there are lots of people involved in customer with customers of all sizes at, at Microsoft. We get in for usually the first six to nine months or so and try to really help accelerate their adoption. And I'm, we're talking about technology here because we all like technology, but we also work on uh, adoption and nurturing and really all aspects of it, right? So if... Uh, if there is a need and, you know, go to our, our fearless leader, Saurabh Pant, who runs the CAT team and say, well, hey, no one's doing this. He'll be like, well, go do it. Right. And so that's that's our mission. Right. And and because of that, we're, a, you know, we're a team of relatively experienced folks with uh, coming from consulting and all over. So, you know, we've got a broad base of experience. My my experience is all over the map. Yeah. So is could customers be partners as well or is it mainly end customers to Microsoft's? That's a very cutting edge question, Marcus. So we are actually launching some new programs. We were starting, it's an experimental program. We are starting to engage with uh, a few a few partners in the same way that we engage with customers to kind of help them unblock uh, really difficult situations, uh, as well as um, programs to help uh, customers with the Center of Excellence Starter Kit or the ALM Accelerator, right? And so we have been touching really that top 1% to 2% of customers, but we are now beginning to see how do we scale what we learn not just in docs and blogs and videos, which we've been doing now for a while, but also um, for, you know, helping partners and helping customers be successful with the tools and processes and things that we've learned. So how do you choose which customers to help from the CAT team then? Is there an ulterior motive behind this question, Marcus? Huh. 
<laughs> not really, because it's if you're awkward. just you're not the 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 biggest team within the engineering team. So no. it's well, we're a very small team. Impossible to help every customer, and you want to help every customers, but yeah. there's a limited time and resources. So yeah. how do you really choose which customers to prioritize? It must be really difficult. Yeah, and I'm, I'm joking, but it is really, one of our biggest challenges is we do have to say no, right? Because customers will come up and we're like, we could help this person, but we can't help them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the adoption accelerator, like the, the big program that we, you know, where we spend six to nine months with a customer, uh, we look at uh, what's coming in, like who's buying uh, the, you know, the most licenses or really what are those large scale customers that are coming in and really just landing. And then we will go reach out to those teams and try to find out if the customer is ready, right? So we, we're we spending our time appropriately, uh, understand the technology problems and make sure we can help. But we normally look at like, you know, what are those largest deals? Every now and then, like leadership will have one that, you know, for some strategic reason is important to them that may, you know, fall a little bit outside of that. And we'll bring those in as well. So do they come to you? The do customers? they kind of raise their hand and say, hey, can you help me? Or, co- uh, yeah. Uh, typically it'll come from the internal Microsoft account teams. Uh, most often, like the way it works is, uh, we are looking at like the, the incoming account, like the ones that are just buying licenses and we're looking for the ones that, uh, meet certain criteria, uh, you know, on, on size or complexity that really are a good fit for what we do. Makes sense. We're also looking for, and to the, to the customer aspect, we're also looking for customers we can learn from, right? So someone that's going to, you know, you know, p- poke at the edges of the box of power platform so that we can make it better. And then, you know, then we all benefit, right? Yeah, I could see that being a really unique customer, even though they might not be the largest, if they're really using the platform in a in an unthought of way outside of kind of the standard use cases or industries. Yeah, that happens. Neat. Yeah, it definitely happens. So it could be also that new, that Heidi was into. So it's industries that you haven't really touched before then that could qualify for uh, being a customer. Yeah. Cat. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. I think I was, I was trying, trying to think, boy, I think we've touched all the industries. Right. But, uh, but yeah, that is certainly a criteria, right. That could make a customer like a, a, a unique thing, a unique customer to have kind of in the portfolio. So on the industry question, yeah. I'm working with a customer right now who's going to use Industry Accelerator, which makes me curious. So those born from your interactions and your team? The Industry Accelerators come from a different team, right? Uh, okay. There's a team focused on that. Yeah. And actually, I, don't, I haven't touched them that much. Um, but I think you and I know someone in that team, a former MVP. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> So uh, it sounds a bit like you're working really close together with the catalyst and the idea framework. So how does that play into what you do? It's a good question. So the catalyst and idea framework, they're design thinking based frameworks that our teams will use usually early in engagement. And typically, and I've been through the catalyst training, but I haven't used it a lot at Microsoft Pacific Accenture. Um, the uh, they're usually used in the sales process. Everything that PowerCat does is after. Um, so we don't we aren't involved in those too much. We're really involved in advising a customer that you know they usually have an idea of an app they want to build. We hope right and an adoption plan and a reason for making a significant investment in this platform before we engage with them. Um, that said, that there are still design thinking type things that are done at the beginning of an engagement, even after the sale. There are design thinking type things that we would use after a sale. And there are teams uh, called uh, customer success unit. There are customer success managers that will come in and even do like a, 
a success planning workshop, which drives strategy and kind of extracts really what the real goals are, as well as a maturity model workshop to really understand the different elements of a customer's maturity and their thoughts around a power platform and then trying to kind of extract some key objectives. And then we'll take those strategies and try to build on the technical and sometimes the non-technical. What type of roles do people have in your team? Uh, in, it's in the, well, in the PowerCat broadly, right, we've got those teams I described. There's the storytelling team. There's the tools team, which focuses on, um, these aren't the official names. I'm probably, anyways, a team that focuses on tools and um, like the COE starter kit and so on. And then the rest of us, you know, our title is really just a uh, systems architect, right? And, you know, part of what makes the job so fun is it is so broad. And so we could at one point be having a syncing with an executive at a customer. And in the next call, you are, you know, troubleshooting uh, the performance of someone's Canvas app, right? That's what makes it so interesting. And so the role is very varied. It's hard to pigeonhole, uh, pigeonhole it. And I wouldn't want it any other way, really. That's pretty fun. So It's a blast. You're like a partner within Microsoft, pretty much. Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, partner is a very I mean, specific connotation in Microsoft. Yes, yes. But the way you described your job is like what how I would describe my job, too. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty and, neat. But, but, you know, so I've, I've done consulting for a long time, too. Um, and one of the things that's so great about this job, because you are, you know, we're usually one-on-one with a customer. Like there's one power cat, you know, you get a handful of customers, but you don't have like a team of us in there with the customers. But what's really lonely in consulting sometimes is you have a problem and there's no one behind you to turn to, to ask. In here, you've got the support of everyone. This is an extraordinarily customer focused organization. And so if a customer is having a problem, we can reach back to the person who wrote that code and have them, you know, help us understand what's going on or to the PM that owns that feature and understand what's coming up next that maybe our customer can benefit from, right? So while we are out there alone, we are never alone, right? Because we have the entire team behind us. I know that sounds cheesy, but I cannot emphasize enough how customer focused this particular organization is. I had a vision of like an Avengers group behind you as you were saying that too. With all the little Microsoft, yeah. It goes up to the executives, right? I mean, they're that's why we have a team focused on customer stories, right? They are, the, we, we publish a lot of stories. There's a lot that we only do internally, right? Because we really just celebrate these. So is this the first CAT team? Is, is PowerCat the first CAT team in Microsoft? Or have you had other teams before you? Yeah, it's a good question. I've only been in Microsoft a little over two years. But I do know that there are other CAT teams, right? There was an Azure CAT team. Uh, CAT stands for Customer Advisory Team. There is a Power BI cat team, which is much larger than us even. And there are others for other product lines. But yours is the best. Ours is the best. And I think, I mean, I only have a little bit of exposure mainly to the Power BI cat team, but they all operate a little bit differently too. So how I'm describing we interact with customers does not mean all cat teams interact that way. Your mileage may vary, Heidi. As I've considered it, Microsoft is more of a technology company. So what? how come that Microsoft started a customer advisory team as a technology company how, how is the background here yeah well and I, I wasn't around for that so I can tell you what I know and what I believe um, the uh, I mean when you look at the technologies that we run power platform is an interesting technology right because a customer buys power platform and it looks like a technology problem but it's kind of a sneak attack right these are change management projects and so that's a difficult thing to take on, right? Change in an organization is really tough. 
And also for any cloud-based technology, the important thing is not just getting someone to buy it, but getting someone to use it and be successful, right? Because they could turn it off at any minute. And so focusing on customer success is really important for any cloud-based technology. And so my two answers are, one, Microsoft is a technology company, right? They produce this technology, but these projects aren't just technology projects. And to be successful, we need people to not just buy it, but to keep using it day in, day out and find value in it. And so that's what we do. That is so important. And I feel like a lot of projects that I've worked on, companies will kind of cut that change management, user adoption, training branch. So maybe they can lead by PowerCat and Microsoft's example and realize that this is an integral part of their system. Yeah, it really, it really is. And I mean, honestly, part of it is selfish too. A lot of the features that you use have come from what we've learned from our customers, right? We didn't dream this up and know that the product had had to have it, right? Our customers are like, we need to solve this problem. We're like, well, we can solve it. Let's just let's try to, you know, make this feature that that handles it in this way, right? And so it's it's definitely a, a two-way exchange. Mm-hmm. And it can be very problematic to like just have a platform and selling that without really having example of well this is what we've solved by using the platform. Yeah. So if it's just a blank canvas and like you can build whatever you want to build and then like, well, a blank page could be very intimidating. And especially for someone that used to build Angular apps, right? They're coming at it from a different thing. This It's a very difficult change for someone to say, well, what do you mean I can't control you know, how it's deployed or, you know, I can't see the API behind the scene, right? This is tough. So there is a lot of like kind of uh, trust building, right? And like, you know, don't worry, trust, we can, we can scale this up. We can handle this, you know, this, this particular app. And, and also to the, to the earlier point where you guys have been on uh, doing this podcast for nine years. I mean, if we think back to the on-premises days, right, things were different, right? You would buy the licenses and then support was your friend and that was it, right? So the cloud has changed a lot of things for us. Yeah. How do Microsoft think about responsibilities here? But because isn't like partners supposed to do these parts? Yeah. So I will, uh, I won't speak for Microsoft, but I can speak as I, you know, I led a practice uh, at a partner. So I can speak from the partner angle as well. Um, So from my perspective, partners do do this, right? Partners. Uh, having, you know, at Accenture, we had a entire practice focused on change management, right? That was those people's jobs. We had, you know, people in my practice that were deep in the technology. Um, but even for those partners, right, you can't know what's coming in six to nine months, right? You can't know deep in the platform. And that's kind of the glue PowerCat provides, right? We're typically not working with people that are, you know, brand new to the platform. We're working with people that are technical and experienced, but they're trying to solve tough problems, problems that even we in the engineering team have never seen before. And so that's where we can kind of help and say, well, this is what's happening under the covers. How can we make sure that we optimize this one new feature or build something new that's going to help you be successful, right? No, no partner could do that. You just you don't have the same level of exposure as we do in the engineering team. But that, then again, back to what we said earlier, right? We do focus on working with our partners to make sure they're successful, right? And providing that same sort of guidance to them. Would PowerCat or does PowerCat ever work with on-premise deployments or are you just cloud? Power Platform Customer Advisory Team. There is no set of floppy diskettes big enough to hold Power Platform, right? So uh, no, all of our customers are cloud. And a lot of our customers buy Power Platform and this is part of their cloud transformation, right? And so they are uh, often coming from an on-premises mindset or even just uh, 
kind of an IaaS cloud mindset. So getting them to that software as a service kind of mindset is definitely part of the transition, right? You know, we talk about change and yeah. getting users to change, but part of it is getting the technologists to understand this different way of working as well. That is true. I just feel like there are some industries that are still a little handcuffed with the cloud stuff, which is a bummer. A little bit, right? A little bit. But then, <laughs> then again, there's a lot of industries that, you know, have uh, very important data uh, that they need to protect and stay out of the newspaper. So I understand why they're conservative. Yeah, that's another podcast for another day. That is. That's a whole whole different topic. Yeah, a whole different topic. Yeah, sometimes it's just compliance that they have to, they're not really sure about the local laws, if they comply with some of the cloud technologies or not. So they're like, well, we don't want to end up in the news. And like, well, you did something that you're not according to these compliance laws. So they're like, yeah, well, then we take the safe road legally, but not really technically. So, yeah. You're, you're right. We see a lot of customers that are focused on compliance uh, and just taking the safe route. But the flip side is compliance changes, right? Like with GDPR and now SHREMS in the EU, right? You can stay still and still violate compliance. And so that's part of the argument we have, right? Like I know the Dataverse team working very hard to, to adhere to, you know, to those new ever-changing compliance uh, landscapes, right? And so that allows actually this to be, in some ways, be a safe choice, right? Because you know that we're going to handle that for you. Yeah. And that's really good to know that um, both that it's, well, improving or working on all of these. I'm not sure even what the laws are, but I'm just making up excuses here <laughs> for people that are staying on premise and that you're working on it. CRM rocks is not a substitute for legal advice, people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like the disclaimer. <laughs> Talk a little bit about user adoption and change management. Do you have like a technique that you use towards that? Is it like Adcar or something else that you apply towards that side? Yeah, a lot of what we've learned, and again, we, we work with others at Microsoft that really focus on change management, right, in our customer success unit. Uh, and they're really kind of the change agents uh, that would focus on our customer. But a lot of what we do is codified in the COE starter kit and the maturity model, just some of those materials we put out there, right? It really comes down to uh, not only building awareness, but also building communities of champions and building success stories. And so to make sure that we can have a pot of success where we've got, uh, you know, got people building and then try to tell the broader organization and build from that. We have organizations that have been extraordinarily successful just by people meeting on their lunch hour, right? And communicating what they learned. And there's one where those lunch hour meetings grew to 1,500 people internationally, right? Meeting on their lunch hour, just all talking about power apps, right? And so, uh, you know, the change happens slowly, but a little bit of change can make a huge difference in a bigger organization. That's like a very impressive community call. Yeah, it's amazing, right? It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. that's not to mention the careers that have been changed too, Right. I mean, we're all here because we discovered, yeah, I mean, nine, ten years ago, Dynamics at some point, right? And thought it was pretty slick. There are people now who are discovering Power Platform. And uh, our, I just interviewed someone. Uh, she built an app. The app grew and grew. Now IT owns it. Now she's part of IT owning this app as well as others, right? That happens all the time, all the time. So I feel like this is perhaps originating before even the the um, dynamics went online because I, f I think some somewhere around there microsoft starting like okay it's cloud first and then they were migrating um apps or or yeah business apps then towards 
the cloud. And then they say, well, we're going to focus on actually aligning our incentives with um with the customers incentives so we're not going to get paid unless customers use it like the azure cloud so the more you use it the more you pay to microsoft and it seems like this has really accelerated towards that because you said that well if the customers pay for something but they're not really using it then they're not really to going to be happy for very long so would you agree that that perhaps origin is somewhere around that the origin of the cat team yeah, perhaps it's more the yeah the the cat team all of the cat teams yeah i mean i think i mean that aspect that you know we want people to be successful in this right it it does come from uh, you know part of it is we want people to continue paying licenses and they won't pay license unless they see value but also you know i mentioned we are legitimately customer focused right and so a lot of the customers, a lot of the problems we solve, they aren't just saying this is some huge licensing opportunity. It's because this is a problem that we think needs to be solved, right? There are a lot of stories with COVID. There's one just this came up this morning with Ukraine, Ukrainian refugees, right? We're involved in these too because they are the right problems to solve just for all of us, right? And so uh, in general, cloud services business, not just us, but everybody in this business, right? We need to make sure that people see values so they keep paying, but that is by far not the sole motivator here yeah so it's it's really nice to hear those stories and just the thing that well we don't just sell you i don't know windows servers licenses and say bye bye see you again in three years when you're going to renew <laughs> it's like okay does it actually help you or not so that's like yeah I, I work from home now i'm still making car payments on a car in the garage right i'm a little less satisfied with that car than i was when i was driving it all day i wouldn't i wouldn't trade working from home for that but i'm just saying yeah you know you definitely get more value out of something the more you use it so we looked a little bit into the adoption or you talked a little bit about the adoption so what's this maturity model uh, that i've heard about yeah, so the adoption maturity model is something, and I can't take credit for it. This was really the brainchild of my fellow PowerCat, Manuela. Um, but she took learnings from herself and from others on the team and really kind of defined, like, what are the core elements of a successful deployment? What does that look like along multiple dimensions, whether that's uh, nurturing communities or admin and governance or strategy and vision? And then some key kind of descriptions of what that looks like from a 100 to 500 level and how do we, uh, and then some resources so that if you're at one, how do you get to the next one? This is how we start a lot of our working with customers and their executives and trying to understand uh, where do they want to go with the platform so we can help them get from where they are today or where they assess they are today and where they envision. And that doesn't mean moving uniformly up the maturity model, right? I've got customers that they're like, we don't want a team of citizen makers. We want to deploy a few apps to everyone in the organization. And those are enterprise apps. Well, and that changes their strategy for sure. So I've heard about like organization maturity model, but not really adoption maturity model. Is this like a thing or is this made up from, from your team? I mean, it can be both, right? It was a thing that was made up from PowerCat. So we, we looked at other maturity models out there, um, especially there's a SharePoint maturity model, but there's, a, there's many other maturity models throughout industry and kind of looked at that as a way for structuring a lot of the things that we had learned and also kind of a model for how people think about it. Right? A lot of this we had already kind of had in our heads, 
But, uh, you know, uh, what this does is it really codifies it in a way that you can kind of think about both different tracks, but also your levels. It's interesting when you start having these discussions, right? The people will zoom ahead. They're really high on maybe vision, but they're really slow on execution. And it gives us a chance to focus on really. It's a, it, it's a thing, Marcus. So perhaps we will have to look up Manuela Pitchler and talk to her about this maturity model because it's it sounds really interesting, at least to me. I will gladly make the intro. Manuela is terrific. You'll love talking with her. So we talked a little bit about here your background and you're coming from consultant to word. I think I looked it up, but it was Accenture's. What did you bring from the consulting the world into Microsoft when you switched? My career path overall has been kind of meandering. Uh, I started at Accenture. Actually, I started at a small Microsoft partner that got uh, uh, got acquired by Avanade and then Avanade, uh, the federal work, US federal work got acquired by Accenture, which is how I ended up at Accenture. And I started off not knowing anything about Microsoft CRM. This was like 2009. And I joined this team that uh, was doing this U.S. federal work for Dynamics. They had a one-day boot camp with folks, I mean, like folks that were deep, deep in the product. And I'm like, these guys are nuts. How can they be so passionate about what is effectively (laughs) a contact list, right? And they set us up, they gave us some training, and they gave us a scenario. And they said, your team, there were multiple teams, your team is going to build something for for those scenario we're going to give you, and then you're going to pitch it to us in the afternoon. My God, we did it, right? We did. We built this up. I don't even remember what it did. Um, uh, but yeah, we did it. I remember them saying, like, uh, them commenting, like, the site map, you know, the default icon used to be a gear. And they're like, you know, well, why did you choose the gear icon? <laughs> We're like, oh, well, because we committed some reason, like, because of the machinery behind the scenes. Like, yeah, we hand-selected this gear icon for you. They, they knew what we were doing. But I was just blown away that, I mean, I had done professional development, like ASP.NET and other stuff beforehand. And uh, yeah, I was just blown away at how much you could do in such a short time back in this was CRM 4. It was pretty new. Wow. I think so. So it's about the same time that I started. So it sounds pretty much like my background. But yeah, it's very... Did you have that same experience where you come in as a doubter? I started on 4 too. 4 too. Yeah, see, that was good stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I, I am a professional developer. And still like all of these things that you mentioned that, well, you don't have to consider so much when you're developing. Oh, people have to sign in. No, I don't have to build a sign-in page. I'm good. Yeah, none of that. Uh, Oh, you need a form. Well, Bill, that's pretty much built already. So it's more like giving more value to the customers and users of that system with the limited time that I have and the limited budget that the customer yeah. has. So it's just about bringing value faster and cheaper. So I'm all for it. I think I have the complete opposite background of both of you. I started in marketing and I they were like, hey, you work with salespeople. Can you take this thing that nobody's using and make them use it, please? And then I felt like, wow, I'm like a fancy developer now. I am working on a system. I'm making solution files. This is great. <laughs> Honestly, the, the problem statement of can you get salespeople to use a CRM system is harder than any technical challenge we, we're going to discuss here. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. But I did it and they loved it. <laughs> I talk pretty regularly with people that were like... Well, okay. I was going to say maybe they didn't love it. They, they didn't hate it. They used it. <laughs> You know, set appropriate goals, Heidi. I think yeah. that's fine. 
I talk I talk regularly with people that like started like on CRM like 1.3 and all that. And I gotta be honest, I don't I don't know if I'd be here right now if that was my first exposure to this technology. I I I don't even know what it looks like. Oh, me neither. But yeah. I've had plenty of discussions, not perhaps only with salespeople, but but end users, if it's not in Outlook, it doesn't exist. And yeah. if it doesn't support yeah. like the Excel scenario that they are used to. It will not help them. They will just leave. So I, I easily or quickly became accustomed to, well, we have to solve these common scenarios. Otherwise, we're going to lose them. So that was really helpful Man, in the long run. Yeah. Um, if you can't compete with Excel, they're going to use Excel instead. Started So I started, I, I made money in college by doing like Excel VBA and all that. Even like Excel VBA just for, first came out. So Excel is close to my heart. So I mean, yeah. you know, anyone that says, well, we'd rather use Excel, I'm like, I get it. I, I get it. But I don't think I really answered your question about Accenture. So, uh, so yeah, so I had that, that light bulb moment of discovering CRM. And then uh, this team that I was on, one of the main projects was kind of like an ISV. We had this dynamic solution that we would license to the federal government. They would use it for... Uh, approvals and like just broad coordination through large organizations. And I mean, talking large organizations, I'm talking like, you know, the Department of Defense large, right? So things that we've read in the news have been decided through this tool, which is also a really cool part of it, right? Because it's very clear what you're doing is meaningful. But part of it, so part of one of the roles I had was like owning the product roadmap and development for that, right? So as a product PM, right? Which is very relevant to what I'm doing right now. Um, but I also did the change management like uh, Heidi was talking about in the training, right? And trying to get people to say, well, why is this better than X? Uh, as well as like owning the practice and staffing and training, making sure that a group of people that, uh, you know, we have a group of people that are as talented as any in the industry in this technology, which is difficult when it's, the technology is changing under your feet. Um, so all of those things kind of combined are actually all elements of my job now, which I think is probably why it's so much fun. I'd imagine it gives you a really nice perspective too. Like it's the perfect way to get where you are today. You know, I've I've had a weird career that just kind of meandered in this direction. So I've uh, I, I owned electronic marketing uh, at one place. I've spammed millions of people on email. <laughs> um, I had I had w- one company I worked with. A buddy of mine came in, locked the door in the conference room, and he says, "The VP has a new project. We're all either going to be wildly successful, or we're all going to get fired." Right. I'm in, right? I'm in for this kind of stuff. Um, That's an interesting situation, yes. I, uh, how do you pass that up, right? Uh, what else? Uh, working, uh, so I worked at Intel, and one of the projects at Intel uh, was creating new laptops, right? So going to Taiwan and talk with laptop manufacturers, right? I, I mean, random. Uh, yeah, so a bunch of... Oh, uh, um, I worked at a digital marketing agency, and one of the things I had to prove was color palettes for brands. I'm colorblind. Why am I the best qualified person for this, right? So when I say a meandering career, I mean meandering. You've been all over the place, and that's awesome. So I just so I just didn't want Heidi to paint it like like all of the thoughtful planning accumulated to this. No, no, it's just uh, chasing whatever I thought was interesting at the time. Uh, yeah, like most of us do, then. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad. I feel better about that. Have you been an MVP also, then? I was an MVP for nearly one year. Yeah. So uh, what did you bring with you as an MVP to when you swapped to Microsoft? Marcus, are you just asking this so I can show the trophy? Because I don't get to show it that often. No, I don't <gasps> have trophy. a trophy. I'm not an MVP. <laughs> I'm just... I brought the trophy. Um, 
You know, one of the things as an MVP and the way I kind of got in the MVP path, my team at Accenture, we, we had this dynamic solution. We were deep in dynamics. I mean, these were legitimately some of the best dynamics developers out there. I was uh, running on the treadmill. I'm like, I'm going through my videos on YouTube, this power platform thing, and I'm clicking play and I'm like cursing. I'm like, Microsoft, I could barely get people to understand XRM. Why are you introducing power platform? <laughs> and then I see Ryan Cunningham demo this Canvas app. He's dragging and dropping and all that. And I'm like, next thing I know, I'm like standing on the ground next to the treadmill, which isn't hard to get me on the treadmill. And I'm just mouth open at this technology. And so I'm like, yeah, this is, I mean, this is new and this is different. And I have to find a way to get my team to understand it even before it's relevant for them and what we're building now. And so I started like playing around with it and doing demos for my team. And then, you know, we had a distributed team. So recording those so other people can see them. And then I thought, well, I'm going to record them. Why don't I just put them out on YouTube? And so started, uh, you know, putting things out on YouTube. And then that led to like the speaking and all the MVP type stuff. And uh, that was my path there, which wasn't your question is what do you bring with you? I think a lot of it is, you know, I, now I'm doing videos for PowerCat, right? So all of that kind of experience of, you know, we, and we do speaking and all that, all of that stuff kind of accumulates to what we do as well, right? Part of it is working with big customers. The rest of the part is telling the world what we learned so everybody benefits. So you realized this early then, because when I saw the, the first videos of the Canvas app, I thought, well, this looks a lot like Windows Forms when it started. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking like, yeah, it, it's kind of the same thing, right? You drag the components over there, you have some formulas behind it, and then you're good to go, right? Nah, it's nothing new, right? And then I realized, well, it's what Heidi does with all the connectors that like, yeah, that's the thing, right? You know, what got me was the mobile app. So I had tried to learn Swift, like you know, Apple's yeah. programming language and all that, tried to build uh, an app. And then, you know, with the, with the mobile player, right? I like uh, imported a spreadsheet into Dataverse and put this app on top of it. It literally took five minutes. I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is not easy to do in any other. This is really different. Yeah. For me, it was yeah. model-driven apps and being able to customize the site map. Like user adoption tool, holy moly, I can hide system views that a yeah. user group doesn't need. I was working for a partner at the time who didn't see the light of the power platform and kind of refused to embrace it, mm -hmm. which was a big miss. But now I don't work there. I work with my husband. So, you know, game on power platform. <laughs> <laughs> and where is that partner today, Heidi? They're still around. Oh, okay. Well, that's not the... Not the answer I was hoping for, Heidi. Come on. I mean, <laughs> that's I, all right, though. That's they, all right. They aren't nearly as awesome as Reenhanced, though. <laughs> <laughs> Reenhanced has some solid skills. Sorry, we met Phil when he came to speak before he worked for Microsoft, when he was an, a lowly MVP. True. Actually, it might have been before you were an MVP. We met you at Dynamics 365 Saturday yeah. in Philadelphia, and we became instant Phil fans. It was his. His demo oh style, it was the, the, the automated tweets that you had going out in that session, top notch. I, I don't I, remember I, I, the, Twitter, my... the Twitter handle has like the hand. I don't remember what it was, but I still follow it. And occasionally it pops up with little one-liners. <laughs> so so, do, so do the, two things, yeah. So Phil's Flowbot is my, is my, is yeah. my dump for like Twitter automation. I don't understand Twitter a lot, and it fascinates me that that handle has followers. That just says it just it makes me realize how little I understand Twitter because there's <laughs> never anything useful there. Um, um, but I do I do believe like like 
Power Platform is super easy to build things. And if we believe that, we should we should present with demos, right? If it's mm-hmm. so easy, build something for me. I think that I think that's like it's just a philosophy of mine. Yeah. So I, I was trying to look that up, but I didn't didn't get it. So perhaps it builds Flowbot is spelled with it's spelled with more pHs than you want it to be. That's, <laughs> that's how you find it. Yeah. All right then. So what's new and upcoming for the uh, PowerCat? Uh, well, I mean, for for PowerCat, we are uh, one of the. It's we are kind of like a startup in Microsoft, right? So there is a lot coming up for PowerCat, and a lot of it is following um, all of the new technologies, right? The announcement of Power Pages right now. There is a Pages Cat that is in our team, right? Um, you know, just you know, some of the best people with you know deep portals experience and that have been involved in shaping Power Pages. Um, some of the other things coming up, right, that are really interesting to enterprise customers, we're helping to shape and on the early edge of, like uh, managed environments are really exciting, as well as some of the Azure in- in integration, like the Power Platform landing zones, which have been out for a while, but now we're coming to Azure. Just really, really cool stuff that's kind of taking the wrap around the outside of Power Platform and helping it integrate everywhere, right? Because our customers usually have, you know, all the Microsoft stuff, not just Power Platform. Two out of those three I haven't actually heard about. So that's really good news for me. Then I have to look into managed environment and those landing zones in the Azure integration. So, yeah. Uh, so landing zones was on PowerCat Live, which means you're not, your YouTube consumption is slipping, Marcus. In managed <laughs> environments, I'm recording tomorrow. <laughs> so by the time this comes out, it'll probably be out too. Yeah. Because we're real time shifting here, so we're a bit in advance recording this. So it won't be out until the 14th of July, and now it's the 15th of June. So, yeah, it, it was probably awesome, and you had a great uh, recipient of that. Yes, and we'll put the links yes. in the show, too, so everyone can watch it if they <laughs> missed it. <laughs> It was uh, it was extraordinarily popular, and it should be. Uh, we've got a one month lead time too, so it should be all by then. Awesome. Let's do the wave. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Where do I go if I want to know more? Well, Marcus, I think we just covered that, right? If you want to really be yeah. up to speed on the latest stuff, no. So, <laughs> so um, I mean, where do you see like if you want to know more from PowerCat? Uh, I mean, we speak right, like the Power Platform Conference in September, right? There's a bunch of people going to be speaking there. Uh, PowerCat Live is our YouTube channel. Uh, the The focus of this is 200 to 300 level content, advanced content for enterprise architects, right? And so if our goal is to put things in there that no one else can talk about authoritatively, right? So these are interviews with product managers, tips of things that we're learning from our customers that you may benefit from, as well as customer stories. And so... Um, that's a good place to see uh, see more meet more power cats besides just Phil, um, but also meet the PMs behind the scenes that are actually bringing this to life. Yeah. Uh, and then the blog, the docs, um, and GitHub for the COE starter kit and the related tools like the code review tool, all that are all products of PowerCat and uh, things that we're working on all the time. Oh, and the ALM accelerator, and I can provide all those links. Yeah, yeah, good thing. So we can add them to the show notes so people who are interested can find them easily. All right, then. So we're interested, if we're interested to hear more from you, where are you going to be next? So, uh, I mean, PowerCat Live, if you want to hear more of this voice, PowerCat <laughs> Live is the best place to do it. So so uh, somehow someone swindled me into owning the uh, Power the PowerCat YouTube channel, right? So every week or sometimes twice a week, uh, there is a new uh, video, roughly 10 minutes, that is... Uh, 
basically a movie trailer for some feature that is uh, either just out or not yet, not even not yet out, right? So we get both. It's the teaser trailer. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So we have we also have the Power Platform Architecture series, which I can provide the link of. Those are like twenty to forty minutes. Those show you how to do something. PowerCat Live is just saying, hey, this is possible. You should go learn how to do it. And here's how. So, um, who would you recommend as a future guest on this podcast? Then, I mean, we've already spoken a few times about Manuela, right? Uh, I, she's she's terrific. Uh, has been on the team longer than me. Can give you more of the history. Uh, and you know, she is the owner of the COE Starter Kit, right? So, there's a lot to know and learn there about where that's headed. And also was kind of the driving force behind the PowerCat Maturity model. A lot of really good stuff to talk to. She's she's terrific. Right then. So everyone, go to the blog, go to Darks, look for the Starter Kid, look out for um, Power Cat Live on YouTube. And again, Phil's Flowbot. <laughs> and, yeah, and follow Phil's Flowbot. You can be follower number 17 or something. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing useful there. Don't follow that. <laughs> All right then. Thank you for your participation in uh, CRM Works, uh, Phil Toughness. Glad to talk to you guys. This was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And again, <laughs> Heidi, if uh, the listeners want to find us, where can they find us? You can visit our LinkedIn page. You can check out our brand new YouTube channel, which is brand new. So please follow us for all of these awesome episodes live unedited which is going to be really fun um and you can tweet hashtag crm rocks and we also have a facebook page so thank you again uh, for your participation and thanks to your listening and don't forget you can um, follow us everywhere and see you next time on crm rocks